<laughs> That's a very summer noise. That's yeah. summer noise right there. <laughs> Jam-packed with sporty goodness. You guys get ready. You have no idea. Oh, yeah. All the great sports stuff going on right now that you didn't even know about. Yes, indeed. Me, me, make, me going to see a uh, Monday Night Raw didn't make the didn't oh. make the rundown. That feels sporty, but whatever. It's a fake sport. Who, whatever. Who'd you go with? You know, with with, with the kitties. You oh, know? Okay, I got you. All right. Well, I'm Dominic Fox. So that's David Dennis Jr. And this is debatable. <laughs> I was just wondering because, like, I no judgment. You can you can like wrestling mm-hmm. if you want to like wrestling, but I I assumed that. It's real hard when you have kids of a certain age to get out the house for some foolishness. <laughs> like, I'm going oh, to see the wrestling oh. match. That'd be you taking these kids with you. Oh, may, uh, don't don't trip. I dragged the kids to go to an event <laughs> that's that I wanted to go to. That's the that's what that was. I was like, oh, we going to we going to Monday Night Raw, uh, kids. You gonna you gonna party with Pop tonight? I do it all the time, but it's never with wrestling. I don't know what it was. Anyway. Alabaster. No judgment. Wrestling's nice. I, if I had arms like yours, I would go to wrestling too. Because clearly you are into. Oh, oh, oh. So, that, so we're going to get into it? Are we gonna get no, into we have nothing to get into. Alabaster. Let's get into it. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not the one posting the sit down abs on the IG with the ankles out, what with, the, with the well lubricated ankles and wrists. You, you know what I'm saying? We could do that. <laughs> we could do that we, if you have a Prosecco poppy time I mean, with the homeboys. Hold on, know? hold on, hold on. Let's just take a second. If you're 40 years old uh-huh. and you got sit-down abs, you're doing something right. All right, Alabasta, let's go. Not to okay. stand up, stretch them out, abs. You just sit sit down. This is still a good look for your boy. I got yawn abs. <laughs> okay, I let's. Got, I got. I got this right Ooh. here. All that you see, like one little thing right there. That's what I got. I got yawn in. You got a nice sweatshirt mm. though. All right, Alabaster. I'm sure you've been dying to break in and ruin this. You probably edited all that out anyway. So I, I've got no abs. Never have. Never will. Um, but I digress. Let's um. Let's talk about the crumbling, pathetic Philadelphia 76ers. James Harden still wants to get traded to the Clippers because of his severed bond with his old buddy Daryl Morey, and. Joel Embiid said something very interesting to Maverick Carter. How seriously should the 76ers take Joel Embiid's comments on Tuesday? Well, I mean, to that question, I would say they should take them very seriously. Even though I don't believe that Joel was being very serious. And so Mm -hmm. one of the themes of this show is when people say something stupid, it's normally executives that say stupid things and we make fun of them and say, obviously this is the dumb thing to say. We'll do it to players also, but it happens less often, honestly, with players because they are more comfortable with the media. And I think that this seems obvious to me that while there are people in the media that are saying this is bad leadership by Joel Embiid, he shouldn't do this. Like it seems obvious to me that Joel Joel Embiid, who, mind you, was saying this at an unveiling of his own media company, Obviously, he knows how the media works. He pointed out after this that Troel is his middle name because he's trolling the media. But I it's, I find it hard to get upset with Joel Embiid about this, even though some people say this is bad leadership. This is what modern leadership looks like sometimes in the NBA, is you have to threaten whatever power you have to get done the things that you want to get done. I don't know what it is that Joel wants done, but I don't think anybody who's been following basketball for the last five to 10 years is at all made uncomfortable or feel like Joel doesn't know what he's doing or doesn't have control of this situation. 
All right, let's 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 before before we get too deep into it, let's let's roll the bean footage. Show show the oh show look the, at you, way to host. Look I didn't at that. Do that. Oh, yeah. um, I just want to win a championship. Um, you know, whatever it takes. I don't know what that's going to be. Whether it's in Philly or you know anywhere else, you know, I just want to have a chance uh, to accomplish that. I want to see what it feels like to win that first one, and then you can pick about you know the next one. Boom, hosted. So uh, I think, you know, it seemed harmless. Because what, cause what the thing about what he's saying here is what's mostly, most likely going to happen, right? As we know with the NBA, these players don't stick around for the, you know, totality of their careers. It's a very rare thing. And most times they win championships going somewhere else. I mean, obviously um, that hasn't been the case the last couple of years. But for the most part, these players get contracts and they go somewhere else. I have no problem with what he said. What I do have a problem with is it's 2023. Why are you saying you're trolling? Like <laughs> people don't troll anymore. Like that is the thing we we talked about it uh, on on Monday. Trolling is the thing when you say the something and you don't want to stand on it. Yeah. You backtrack and say I was just trolling. Like that to me is an is an issue. Like yeah. we can talk about if that means maturity, if that means whatever. Yeah. But either stand on it or don't. Right. And so to be saying I'm trolling. At your big age in 2023, <laughs> just seems like a, a, yeah. a, a see, 29? ridiculous way to go out of it. No, I think yeah, that's, like, a, that's, not what that's a fair criticism of him because my defense of him is, yeah, this is a, a sword that a lot of leaders and a lot of champions have to wield in order to get the mm-hmm. things done that they want done. So to wield that sword and say, nah, it was styrofoam, I'm just playing – to me, feels a little bit like throwing a stone and hiding your hand. But I think the right. purpose, what he's trying to do there is probably get the fans off his back. But I think that uh, Daryl Morey and the ownership of uh, the 76ers already know this. He didn't have mm. to say it, but it helps, I think, to say it. They already know that the Knicks are waiting in the wings and Joel has shown interest in going to the Knicks. And frankly, every team is waiting in the wings. Everyone would be interested in signing Joel Embiid. So y'all better straighten up and fly right is what he's telling you, or at least maybe not right, but fly the way he wants you to fly this thing. So yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. If he wants to put out a little softener, call himself Troel or whatever to get the fans off his back, it doesn't bother me in any other way, but I'll, I agree with you all. So just kind of stand on it. You said it, stand on it. Stand on. And at the heart of this really is what is what are we going to do with James Harden? That's really at the heart of this situation. Right. Which is something that Maury has to figure out, which, you know, I think Joel Embiid, when you say stuff like that, he understands that you have a truncated career. Right. Right. You lost years early in your career. This was the healthiest probably that you have been. Um, Didn't miss the, you know, playoff games for the first time in forever. Right. And you come back. Next year, you don't know what that's going to look like. You don't know. You're not going to have, chances are, you're not going to have the LeBron, Steph, KD, 15, 20-year career, right? That window's closing. And you do not want to have spent two of those last three years with a secondary star that does not want to be on your team that the front man, front, you know, front office has to figure out where to go and ship him off for parts yeah. that you have to try to make do with, right? And that's sort of the pressure. Just say that. That's the pressure yeah. that they... That you have future, to put in your front office. The future is grim for for this team, which, I mean, to me at least, it feels like their best chance probably was this past season. Mm-hmm. Uh, other teams are going to continue to load up. The East wasn't as strong as you would have hoped. It's going to get better. The play, the teams in the West are going to continue to get better. It doesn't feel like, and they don't seem to have any assets. They've already made all the moves that they could make. 
they did all the things they could do with all the um all the tanking that they did to get the draft picks they have used those picks shipped them around done all the things they could do to make this team as good as they can be and right now their second best player is only getting worse and their only hope right now i think of getting better is somehow convincing damian lillard to come there and then they send away tyrese maxi which i'm not even sure that makes them better yeah i don't think essentially sending dame sending harden and maxi off and getting dame lillard back makes them markedly better than they were last year i agree with you last year was like their best shot you took boston to seven right you you should have won that series james harden disappeared um in the middle of that and james harden throughout the series the season was letting folks know he wants to go to Houston to hang out with his homies, right? Like, they like want to go to a bad team, even as you are trying to compete for a championship, right? And so, and, and like you said, the East is going to get better. Like, I don't see Philadelphia making it, you know, with, yeah. with this squad. And and B's got three years in this contract, which is when that, that itch starts to happen for a lot of these players. And you start ask, asking to make those moves. Yeah, so they don't want to get stuck in the Dame Lillard situation uh, where – they have to move a player for less than his value, or much less than his value, because that player has uh, dictated to them. So, I mean, I guess the, the Portland situation isn't too bad because they have what seems like people believe to be in Scoot Henderson, another franchise cornerstone. So I'm not going to shed any tears for them, but I would love to see Embiid in another location. I, frankly, I just love to see him in like in the finals. I just yeah. like to see him healthy all season and have a ton of success. The 76ers haven't made it past the second round since 2001. Yeah. And I was gonna yeah. say it's not Joel Embiid's fault, but I, I guess he could play better when he's healthier. He can be more uh, decisive in those situations and more aggressive, but it really feels like the, the bounce against Kawhi, that was an issue mm-hmm. and the injuries, the shattered face, like there's always these issues that came up and took away their best chances to win. So maybe moving. Him I mean, he was, a, Go ahead. he was, he was a plus, I don't, I don't know the plus like 90 or something in that series against Toronto. And he just couldn't stay on the floor long enough for them to win. I think, you know, you should partner Joel and B with a great Eastern conference player, like maybe Jimmy Butler or something that should go that Somebody should do that in Philadelphia, right? No. Yeah. No, you don't want to do that. You want to partner with, with Tobias Harris, King oh, Crumble yeah. Cookie. Mm. That's yeah, the that's move. not – I do want to address the front office, the, the, the anonymous front office uh, source and the Philadelphia 76ers who made it known that they have full confidence that Joel Embiid uh, – sources close to the Philadelphia 76ers say Joel Embiid is going to stay here, plan to stay here for the entirety of his career, like Kobe and Dirk which is like, what else are they going to say, folks? Like, sources close to David Dennis say that, like, Beyonce is going to bring him on concert, on stage during the concert, and they're going to sing a duet together. Like, what yeah. are we talking about here? Like, that, I mean, like, how much credence are we putting it's in? It's not a good analogy. Here? Like, that's not even realistic. It's actually realistic that Joel could be there for his whole career. It's not nearly as far-fetched as, as you being on stage singing a duet with Beyonce. You can't sing? I, I could. I could sing Resentment, Church Girls. <laughs> Go ahead. Virgo's thing. Give me a little bit. Give me a little bit. <clears throat> Never I'm just too f- <laughs> okay so I just want to interject and say that Joel Embiid actually wasn't that good against the Raptors in 2019 and he is the reason they haven't been passed the second round he averaged 17 and 8 in that series and so he let Jimmy Butler down just worth noting 
Well, yeah, he well he was hurt for some of those games. He what was the plus minus? Pull yeah. up the Joel Embiid plus minus for that series. Yeah, they they using counting stats. Alabaster out here yeah, using, using counting stats. Yeah, give me the Sloan stats, baby. Yeah. Sloan stat me ASAP. Don't give me that because he missed. He was played like two minutes in a, in a couple of those games. Yeah. Come on, Sloan stat me. <laughs> he, the least minutes he played in any of those games was twenty eight. That's not good. That's not a lot of minutes. <laughs> you say that. The other ones were Sloan. 30, 32, 35, 31, 36, Whatever. 45. This is a ridiculous argument to be having. I think Sloan uh, stat me, baby. Sloan point, stat the me. The point that I that I wish to make is that Joel Embiid is a good enough centerpiece to win a championship around. The reason why they have not won a championship is part on Joel Embiid. But the fact of the matter is they are not going to be in a championship position. It doesn't look like any better than they're in right now in the future. That's hold, the point. Hold on. Man. Why do you think he's a good enough centerpiece as an A1 to win a championship? Because he's a league MVP and he's really talented and he's a defensive. Uh, he's a whole defense by himself. He can extend the floor. He's post moves. He can shoot. Like, I, I mean, what more do you want? I think that he is that talented. The only thing that stands between him and to get out of the second round. Like, that's all we want. Yeah, he's, he's, okay. With, MVP, with we decided to give it to with him instead whom? of Jokic. Can you get out of the second? With Jimmy whom? Butler, we Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, James a, Harden. A perimeter uh, game. You're saying names. Tyrese Maxey, not anti, in this conversation. This anti-MB take from Alabaster, my goodness. James Harden, not in this conversation. I guess we can go Jimmy Butler is a fair example. That was one time. So the point I'm making is he's good my, enough. And it's a perimeter game. My guy so, got dusted by Trey Young. And Ben Simmons took the fall for it. Like, let's get out of here. He lost to Trey Young to get good get out of the second round. For God's sake. When are we, we going to blame this guy? He's like 11 feet tall and he's supposed to be physically imposing. You Do something when it counts. The, you're mentioning the greatness around him. He, he made it to the second round. Doc Rivers was his coach. Ben Simmons was the second <laughs> best fair. player you're on this team. looking at it the wrong way. James Harden. You know, we made it to the game seven against Boston with playoff James Harden. Yes. Playoff James Harden is what you, what you did there. Like, Congratulations, not act like Joel Embiid. Embiid is taking a bunch of stacked rosters to, the, you know, and, and underachieving. They're kind of, most of these teams were kind of maxed out. We just saw Jimmy do, Butler drag the, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent to the finals oh my twice. Okay. What are we talking about oh here? If you want to be an we're, A1 star, we're using, you got you to gotta show up when it counts. This is the NBA. You guys say the regular season doesn't matter. If the playoffs are all that matters, then Embiid hasn't been an A1 star. Got you. In the, the 80 years of NBA basketball, this uh, heat thing happened once, once, one time. Twice. You're trying to count that Twice bubble year like they life. like they weren't good the whole bubble year. This one time when a garbage team can go to the finals, and now we're like Joel Embiid. You got to do it the second time. Stop it, <laughs> ridiculous. And Doc Rivers, right? Shout nice out to topic. Doc. I don't want to talk yeah. about this anymore. I already got my check. Nice check, by the way. Your your check game is getting better. Thank you. It's only taken two and a half years. Um, <laughs> Uh, so this is coming from Tom Curran, uh, beat reporter, that says Bill Belichick might be his last year at the Patriots. Should Bill Belichick be on the hot seat this season? I mean, without Brady, Belichick has won 10 games one time, seven games one time, eight games the other time. He's made the playoffs once and I believe lost in the wild card round. I think, yeah, it got whooped pretty handily in that wild card round, if I remember correctly. So it is fair to be critical of Belichick. No other coach could probably have a run like that and not 
obviously be on a hot seat and probably not even come back. But the man won your six Super Bowls. So I, I know the belief is that Gerard Mayo would take over as head coach and Bill Belichick would go up to become an executive somewhere. But I can't imagine Bill Belichick wanting to retire before he gets 31 more wins, making him the all-time winningest coach in NFL history. At this rate, though, that's going to take four seasons. So <laughs> <laughs> he may not get there, guys. Yeah, man. I don't. So in a vacuum, all the stuff you mentioned about his his uh, performance last few years, probably hot seatable, right? Mm -hmm. What he did last season, rolling out no discernible offensive coordinator situation mm -hmm. for a young quarterback who's still trying to figure these things out is probably like fireable for most on, coaches on site. Yeah. On site. Yeah. Like that is, you know, if my guy Natty hacks does that, he don't make it to week eight. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, but this is bill Belichick, right? Like this, these are the things that you allow him to do. These are the things like really that he's done for the last 10 years. Right. You just had the Tom Brady and a great team. Like he's whiffed on these draft picks. A lot of times he's cut players a lot of times off of just like things that had nothing to do with their performance on the field that harmed, this team, but the margin of error was greater than because you had the greatest football player of all time or whatever, right? On your squad. Now you just don't have that. But this is the guy you signed, this is the guy you signed up for. And are you really going to be the owner who loses Tom Brady and Bill Belichick within a five year span? Like that's I know Robert Kraft has a lot of pride, but that's not something that you want on your resume. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. The the tough thing about this conversation is my uh, like I'm appalled from both sides. Like mm. if I were Bill Belichick's friend or agent, I would be irate that hot seat was even mentioned near my name, six right. Super Bowls. But if I'm Robert Kraft and I've been paying Bill Belichick more than $20 million a year, which is what people believe he's getting paid for multiple years. And what he gave me was a team without an offensive coordinator that can't win a division anymore, can barely make it to the playoffs and then embarrasses me. Once I've become accustomed to a certain level of success, I ain't trying to walk in them owners meetings feeling like this. I walk into owners meetings before with my shirt off, feeling sexy, wearing gold chains. I'm the man in these streets. Now, yeah, that's just how I feel all the time. Now, uh, I am clearly not the man in these streets. You're walking in the there with a tank top on with, with some arms with no definition it probably feels that's probably what robert Kraft feels like now which is not a great feeling i don't know anybody who's done that but so i guess my, my point is a tough spot to be in because i would be furious too if i own something worth billions of dollars and i'm paying somebody tens of millions of dollars for three years in a row they've not only underachieved well i don't even know if it's fair to underachieve they have not had success that mm. that should protect their job and then on top of it they trying some quirky stuff that's the type of stuff that if you try it it better work and he tried it and it didn't work his staff is full of people that used to work for him and people that are related to him like that is the recipe for somebody who has stayed there a little too long as crazy as that sounds but i don't know that i would have the guts to do it because i'm like this man brought me six super bowls you leave when you want to leave bill you know what you know what makes you walk in the owner's meeting without any more sit down apps is if you walk to that owner's meeting and Tom Brady has won a Super Bowl uh, after he left, 
and Bill Belichick has won a Super Bowl after he left, which let's not get it twisted. If you put Bill Belichick on another team, there is a good chance that that man is going to win a Super Bowl because we could talk about, as I mentioned, the offensive coordinator, the Mac Jones stuff of it all, that defense was still humming. Yeah. And that defense has always been something that Bill Belichick has had moving. So you you get that guy to a squad that has a quarterback, that has a good offense, and that he, he tunes that defense up. You don't want to walk in that owner's meeting and be like, I'll let go of the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback of all time, and they both got rings, and I have nothing. That's why this situation is really kind of fraught, because if um, Robert Kraft walks in there and is like, you need to change this, you need to do that, or else, or else what? You're going to cut me, and I'll be the most coveted coach, free agent in the history of anything, and there's no cap on coaches' pay that would pay him right. a grip to coach just about any team. And to be fair, as much as we give Tom Brady credit and as much as we're looking at this team's record post Tom Brady and blame it on Bill Belichick, the defense has always been really good. They're, when they win the Super Bowl, it's because their defense. When they had that record-breaking offense, they came up short. They, but when they went to the Super Bowl and played the Rams, somehow they won 13 to 10. So yeah. And the defense is still good. So he's never really relied on the offense that much. I know Tom Brady is heroic in late game situations. He doesn't have that. And that might be the difference because they still playing the best defense in football routinely. Yeah. And that, that squad is going to be fourth in the division this season, like lock it, lock it up. And you can look at the quarterbacks. I mean, you think we might be better in Miami, maybe. I mean, well, like, if, if Tua, can stay conscious. I like yeah. Miami more than them, but uh, let's let's cool it on the Jets. Let's cool the Jets on the Jets. Let's see it. Let's cool. see it work first. Okay. Well, yeah. Regardless, you line up that squad with the rest of the folks in that division. Where's Mac Jones line up and and, and quarterback? Like how many players? Yeah. How many quarterbacks? He's the worst. Do you put between Mac Jones and the top and the other three quarterbacks in that division? Right. And so generally, when you're coaching and you're rolling out a squad in the division and you have the worst quarterback, chances yeah. are you ain't going far anyway. That's you know, and that's point. that's not a Bill – that Mac Jones thing ain't a Bill Belichick decision and call or, you know, adding him on that, I, on that roster. I was never high on Mac Jones. However, he deserves some defense because after his rookie year, people were like, hey, there's something there. And then they mm -hmm. sent him out there without offensive coordinators, without any true number <laughs> right. one receiver, no real threat. Uh, the receiving core, and they're going to do it again. This time they got Bill O'Brien, who's an accomplished offensive mind and, uh, frankly, probably the best coach that the Houston Texans ever had. Uh, he's mm -hmm. going to be coordinating an offense. So I think after he went to get rehab at Alabama with Saban, he's going to help that offense get better, but they still don't have they still don't have any weapons. And, and Mac Jones ain't that guy. What's happening, producer? I just want to say butt chin. Thanks. Appreciate it. Great contribution. But Chin. Don't edit it out. Let it yeah. sit there. And let, 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 let that it, your let contribution it, let it, let it, was but Chin. Yeah, let the awkwardness roll over everybody. Mm -hmm. Just let it happen. How red do you yeah. think Alabaster is right we're gonna, now? We're gonna we're gonna sit here in silence and let him think about his what he just said. That's what we're gonna do. You wouldn't let me sing a Beyonce song and now we're getting Alabaster jokes. I could have I could have I could have just given us Virgo's theme was like six minutes. That could have taken up six minutes to show that we weren't hearing uh, Alabaster. Yeah, well, crack these we would have lost. We would have lost a lot of viewers uh, if we had you sing for six minutes. But I mean, Alabaster, you had maybe time some, to think maybe about some, it. You were tapping that. Maybe card. some copyright. 
for 10 yeah. seconds tapping that car and you mold it over. He's like, you know what? I'm going to say butt chin. That's going to make it's going to make the crowd go nuts. Let me refer to Bill O'Brien's chin, which no one's seen in five years. <laughs> I'm laughing every time you say it. It's such a good joke. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, no, I think I think uh, offensive coordinator chin jokes always land. I think everybody in the uh, <laughs> I think everybody in the audience knows exactly what yeah, most that's offensive the fact coordinators look like. <laughs> no one knew what he was talking about until I said Bill O'Brien. Please, I'm sure check the comments, Alabaster. If this makes the show, most people are like, I know what the hell he was talking about, butt chin. Until Dominique said Bill O'Brien. Thank you, though, Alabaster. I appreciate that. Great interjectino. Viral meme on the internet. You just you just Google Bill O'Brien's chin, off, famous offensive coordinator chin, and I'm sure that it'll it'll pop up. Top uh, number one. Top one. <laughs> it's elite. All right, guys, we're gonna move on to a game of Who Done It. Look at mm. those arms. Look, Look at those arms. Define. Prosecco Poppy in the house. <laughs> what is Prosecco? It's like a wine or something. Champagne, like you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. It's for the, it's you know, you listen to SZA and drink it. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Uh, first quote: I won't have ten interceptions this year, and your choices are Derek Carr, Russell oh, Wilson, stop, stop, Dak stop, Prescott, stop, and Baker stop, Mayfield. Stop. You think that the Cowboys, the Cowboy quarterback, can say anything? And I don't know what he said. I work at the Worldwide Leader, a.k.a. <laughs> Cowboys TV. I know exactly who said that because it came out of Cowboys' mouth. Dak Prescott said that, and he's absolutely right because he never throws 10 interceptions. I guess you're right. I mean, you 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 know. I mean, if it, if it was Russell Wilson, he'd be like, "I'm gonna go out there and try my best, no matter what." <laughs> there it is. Because I believe I believe in myself. Uh, I can do it, guys. I won't have ten interception this year. Dak Prescott via Fort Worth Tars Star Telegraph. Yeah. Um. I don't know what his interceptions are every season, but last year, would he have thirteen? And I feel like he's never had double digits before in his career. One of the things that is impressive about Dak Prescott is that he's never really had a turnover problem. So there's no reason to believe that what happened last year is going to continue to go forward. He's probably right. It worries me that he says that he won't because I don't want him to change the way he played because of one aberrational type year. So we'll see. I know that uh, McCarthy's taken over the offensive play calling and stuff, which means that it'll be a less aggressive offense, a more, uh, I don't want to say old school or antiquated run base risk averse. That's a nice way of saying yeah. that this offense might be boring, even though they got playmakers. And he won't any, and according to this quote that says you can go back and take away half of those drops. I'm not saying it's on the receiver, but if you cut those in half, yeah. Uh, and start talking about those. Nobody's talking. So, you know, yeah. clearly if he doesn't throw to those bum receivers that he just threw under the bus, <laughs> then uh, he won't have 10 interceptions. Yeah, he, that's that's one of those things that you don't say. You let somebody else say for you, which like yeah. I, I said multiple times last year that I think it was like three tip ball interceptions to the, at the mm -hmm. end of that season. That's like, that's not on him. You can't be the one saying that because it looks like you're making excuses. Then you yeah, then you say things like that, yeah. and you you know you got you got to give the people what they want, even though it's not the truth. I take full responsibility; it's all on me. I'm the leader of this team. I will do exactly what it takes, and maybe I should throw a better pass for them to catch it. Then people will be like, yeah. "Oh, he's such a great leader." Maybe Dak was trolling. <laughs> Dak.
Dak Troel Prescott. <laughs> I hope that butt chin. Uh, am I right? Dominique <laughs> is trolling with all those Dak Prescott takes. Um, great, great joke, by the way, David. Cosine. Um, next quote. Last quote. I can honestly say I changed the game. I was a big part of changing the game. And your choices are playoff P, Paul George, Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns, sorry, uh, Paul Pierce, and Sean Marion. Well, I mean. This feels 100% Carl Anthony Towns. I don't even know what the context is. This feels like. This feels like something he would say. It does feel like. But didn't he already say this once or are we just running out of quotes? So he's going to say, because this was a story like three weeks ago, wasn't it? Where he said that he was like a defining player of a generation. I mean, it also sounds like something Paul Pierce would say. I don't got Paul George saying that because he learned from playoff P. I mean, I didn't know Sean Marion had a platform to be talking. So I guess we'll stick with Cat. Oh, I can honestly say I changed the game. It's a big part of changing the game. What we're watching right now, small ball, positionless basketball. It's what everybody's doing now. Sean Marion. So, yeah, I mean, I guess like Mike D'Antoni deserves a lot of credit for that also. And he was uh, incredible. The Matrix, Sean Marion was an incredible defensive player and a good shooter, which is really what it comes down to. Like if you are a versatile defender and you can shoot and you are those guys, I don't know who I, I honestly, with, to be honest with you, my basketball history is not, I don't want to give it to Sean Marion, but I can't really think of who was doing it as well as him or better than him prior to that. So, I mean, Scotty, Scotty Pippen, but he didn't shoot like that. Right. So yeah, I guess the it's really just about D'Antoni kind of the yeah. offensive revolution of, shooting threes and getting the shots off quickly and his defensive addition to that on that team, which was not good at defense is I guess the, the value add. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think Sean Marion has a case here. Like he was part of this uh, small ball line. He played power forward in a system in which in, at the time he would have probably maxed out at small forward, but he was putting some, some minutes at power forward and Mar Stardemar was bumped up to center when he could have been power forward and they were running and gunning. And he was the glue to that squad. That squad does not work without Sean Marion being a, the defensive stopper on that team full of people who cannot play defense. He guarded the best um, offensive player. He was up and down the court. He could handle the ball, had the ugliest jump shot maybe in NBA history. Um, yeah, this so side of uh, this side of maybe Sam Perkins. Oh, ball and ball was pretty he, bad too. And Bill Cartwright. Yeah. Yeah, like that. That's uh, you know, that's a little mark against him. But I think that Phoenix Sun squad does not work without without uh, what Sean Marion was was able to do. You know, and you know, trading him was one of the uh, worst trades that that uh, franchise could have made. Yeah, so there's that too. Went to Dallas and was uh, doing similar things. So I mean, I guess he, he kind of feels like, yeah. I, I guess the the problem for me is it doesn't feel like the as much as I want to give credit to players. It doesn't feel like he was the first of his kind. It felt like he was the player who was in the situation. Coach empowerment? That, Are we coach empowerment with <laughs> Mike D'Antoni? I hate myself. I'm sorry. Never mind. Way to go, Sean. Change the game. Change the yeah. game. Sean, you did it all by yourself. I know that Steve Nash ain't know what he was doing until you coached him up. Neither did uh, yeah, the thing about Mari. Yeah, think about the Pippins of the world, and I guess maybe, you know, like the Sean Kemp's or people like that who played these versatile positions. They, they still played with, like, traditional centers, right? And, like, Sean Marion was able to 
do enough, especially on rebounding. That they and I guess you, you do have to credit D'Antoni, you have to credit Steve Nash and the way they orchestrated the offense, but it allowed them not to have need to need a center, That's right? Fair. And a lot of those other players play with those with those centers. So I think what Sean Marion did allowed them to change the like. There is a direct line that you can make from the Phoenix Suns, not just organizationally with Steve Kerr being a through line there, but between the Suns and the Warriors. Where you put Draymond at center and you have a ver- you have these wings, you have the Igadalas and the Sean. Livingston That's fair. Like I mean, that. I think the the most like unique player in those situations was Sean Marion. So like it kind mm-hmm. of feels like in the same way that Draymond is the key to that in some ways that Marion is the key to that. Steve Nash, as great as he was, he wasn't like the first of his kind style of play, and obviously right. Amari Stoudemire was uh, the other kind of big star guy. He wasn't that either. Uh, they would play tradition. You can play traditionally with those guys. The one person who allowed this freaky idea to be somewhat freaky is Sean Marion. So I'm I'm sorry for that momentary lapse where I crossed over to the dark side. Players first. They mean everything to the game. Also, shout out to Sean Marion. We did a documentary on the 2003 All-Star Game in Atlanta. He was a part of it. What kind uh, of talking about what kind of um, Jordan? What, what kind of chin Sean Marion got? Yeah, we need uh we need early two thousands small forward uh chin memes, yeah, Alabaster. I was what you wondering, got? What do, Alabaster, since you're the chin guy, what can you classify his chin? how would you describe uh, it? I don't know. Strong. <laughs> Try to give you alley oop to save your terrible I know. joke. And I know. Can't improv. Just, just no. because you guys butchered my great joke. Not you my didn't butcher your great joke. You waited too long to drop it and it also wasn't funny or good. You're, you're going to tell me if I say it again right now. You aren't going to laugh. Um, I might but laugh, yeah, but that's, your, that's because of all the work. That's because all the work that that David and I have done I to just, make it. Funny. I just said another. I just said another butt chin joke. Didn't go over. I am your conscience. Classic Jamie Foxx.